The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Rameen. If you or someone you are close to is dealing with addiction, there are so many programs out there that can help you. But how do you gauge which ones are going to work the best for you? Some are expensive, some deal with some of the issues, but don't get to the heart of the matter. Others treat the problem at a basic level, but don't determine ultimate success. Join us now for an hour that sets out to be truly groundbreaking and will help you discover how to find the best program for your addiction problem. Now, here is Ross Rameen. Hi, welcome to the show. This is Ross Rameen, and this is The Power to Create Yourself. Uh, We are coming to you from the Rebos Treatment Center here in Los Angeles, California. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us today. Um, I hope hope everybody has had a good holiday uh, season so far. Today, we have another episode of our client files going on. Uh, we have Stephanie joining us today. She's a 23-year-old young lady um, who is uh, who has suffered from alcohol, has dabbled in other stuff as well, pills, such and such. Um, and we're going to talk to her today about um, kind of her her path that she's taken, where she's been, where she doesn't want to go again, where she'd like to go. Um, Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ross. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Um, Stephanie, I, I briefly, as I do with all the guests that come on that do client files with us, I don't ask a lot of questions beforehand because I just uh, I'd like to know everything up front. I wanted to I just wanted to be very real. You told me a couple of things. You're 23 years old. You've been through 11 treatments. Yes. And before I even go any farther, I just want to say congratulations on having four months of sobriety. Thank you have you a little so over four months. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. Four months. I, I did. We did um, touch base on the fact that you have had more than four months before, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. How much? How much is the most time you've ever had? Uh, I would say last year I was sober for about seven and a half months. Yeah. Yeah. What this four months as opposed to the four months in that inside of that seven months? How is the, is this any different, or are you p- kind of the same as you were then? Oh, it's absolutely different. Um, I was in a sober living that allowed me to kind of do whatever I wanted. So. There were no rules, but I mean, medication wise, I was working like probably 50 hours a week, but I was taking Ambien to fall asleep and I was allowed to take Adderall and Klonopin and I wasn't technically sober, sober, but for me, alcohol is my drug of choice. So I wasn't drinking, but I was allowing myself to be like working myself silly and then knock out by taking an Ambien and doing the same thing every single day. And I truly then thought I was sober. Hmm. But now I look back and anything that I have to take to fall asleep at night and something uh, something to wake up in the morning isn't me actually being sober. It's just relying on something other than what my primary drug of choice is. Yeah. And that's for you. And I think it's important that everybody knows. And I'm, I'm not a pill guy. I'm not a medic, heavy medications guy either. But right. that's you want to have your own feelings. You want to have your own emotions each right. and every day. Right. And you want to be organic. Even though I didn't <laughs> abuse those pills, I uh, found myself like I couldn't sleep without taking it. Yeah. So my body was becoming dependent on it. And being dependent on something, um, I never want to do that again. So it just wasn't a uh, good situation. I also just let work be my identity. I was working in real estate at a really nice real estate firm in Beverly Hills. And I just, it was like the only thing I cared about. I wouldn't go to meetings. I thought that I wasn't an alcoholic anymore because I wasn't drinking. Mm. Um, and I, when something difficult happened, I wasn't able to process my emotions because I had no skills or outlets and I relapsed. Wow. Let's talk about what, what your life was like. I mean, you, you're a good old fashioned alcoholic, right? Correct. And for somebody that's 23 years old to find a good old fashioned alcoholic, I don't see very often anymore. Everybody, you have dabbled in pills, right? You have done that, but alcohol is your love, right? Is your passion. That's your, that's you, you have an intimate relationship with it, as I like to say. Um, and 
that I, I it's and people might that are listening probably are like, what are you talking about? People don't like that. It's like to have a good old fashioned drunk. Right. <laughs> I, I'm all about it. I think it's great. It's like I never <laughs> get to see a good old fashioned, right. you know, cokehead anymore. It's everybody's stuck on all these pills and on opiates, heroin and pills. Yeah. They're all do, uh, you know, all juiced up on that stuff. Tell me a little bit how when you drink, how do you drink? I mean, oh, what, I'm, what makes you an alcoholic? I'm a fucking monster. It's like asking my dad. Um, he, it's very scary because I'm really fun to begin with. But then I just have, I have a fear that I'm going to lose that feeling of like not caring and just being relaxed. And so I keep on drinking more than I can mm-hmm. and I don't want to stop. So yeah. it's like I will wake up two days later and just not have any recollection of what happened or um, – I know that I have made some really poor decisions like driving and drinking and driving and getting in trouble for that or just kind of the worst is like I know I'm a hardcore alcoholic when I don't have alcohol anymore like when my parents would take it I would resort to things that I would find like I've heard stories about like mouthwash mm-hmm. and then I would start doing that because I've read I've seen documentaries about it and I was like oh you were drinking mouthwash right really yeah how crazy. many times have you done that uh, too many too many Right. At that, it got so bad when I was living back in Chicago. My dad took my car keys, my wallet, and um, hit all, took all the booze. I wasn't even allowed to leave, really. And I just started finding things around the house I could drink to get drunk. I was just using Google and, like, ways to get drunk when you're underage and have no ID. And, like... You were Googling that. So oh, you're yes. actually going on the Internet and Googling how to get tanked right. <laughs> when you're underage and you have no ID. Right. And some of the things I found are absolutely disgusting. I mean, I'm not proud of what I've done, but it's definitely brought me to where I am now. And I can appreciate who I am now and how far I've come. But it's there are uh, videos of kids boiling hand sanitizer to separate the alcohol um, from the actual like chemical. Yeah. You, they're telling you to drink hairspray, um, vanilla extract. Yeah. It's insane. Wow. Right. <laughs> wow. That's... People are always, you know, I always talk to moms. I always talk to dads. I talk to loved ones. Right. You know, and they're like, you know, little Susie or little Jimmy or little this or little that. I can't believe they have a problem. You're 23 years old. Right. And you're doing stuff that is, that I have heard, you know, the vanilla extract thing. I used to know a woman that I went to treatment with probably over 15, yeah, 15 plus years ago. And she was a middle-aged woman, probably in her fifties at the time when I met her. And she was um, she was a straight-up alcoholic, but she would buy vanilla extract by the case, right? Little bottles, just cases of it. And she was telling her husband that she was cooking with it, and I couldn't believe that. I was like, well, I guess that's what you do when you get to that age. Yeah. But you're 23, mm-hmm. and you're you're dabbling with hand sanitizer, right? You're dabbling with vanilla extract, mouthwash. I mean, literally gut rot. Like things that I should, I probably should have been dead. I probably destroyed my insides. Luckily, I haven't. But it's you're okay medically. I mean, not no. not to be too personal, oh, but you're no, yeah, I'm very. I have no liver damage. It's, Good. it's actually a miracle. But I, uh, the percentages, it's really sad when you're like 22 and you're like, oh, vanilla extract is 36 percent alcohol, mouthwash is 22 to 28 percent. Like this is that, and you know. And so uh, the reason the rehabs have rules about what you can bring in rehab is because of me. People, yeah. <laughs> People like you. People like me. That's really why. It's like. That is such a great comment to say because people always, you know, people have meltdowns all the time when you come in here. Like, you have to have alcohol-free mouthwash. Well, no. Yeah. It's... And, you know, you have to have. There's no perfume. There's no. The stuff. It's like people. It's. I mean, rules are put in place because people have broke or have oh, hurt yeah. themselves or somebody else. On the other side of it, and I was, and I was, I always try to be nice to people. I go, it's not that we don't trust you; we don't trust others right. <laughs> that and are going to come find your, you know, your mouthwash, and you know, God only knows what the hell's going to happen. Then. I know. It's I used to watch these shows when I was younger, like Intervention and other stuff, where you'd see late stage alcoholics like drinking stuff that they're not supposed to ingest, or just how desperate they become. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I can never do that. And then the next thing I know, I'm doing it, and I have no place for judgment now. But it just shows that like how it really, I was so, my mind was so addicted and I really couldn't live in reality and just sit still with what was going on in the world. Like I was drinking mouthwash in rehab and that was just because I didn't want to deal with what I was 
had to like in my life I couldn't handle yeah your like your head was getting the better of you so bad that you're just like mouthwash like I'll do anything yeah I remember um there's a What, what, what was what was I gotta ask what how did this how did this all start like were you drinking you started drinking at 16 correct yes I did did you start did you drink at 16 for the same reason why you were drinking at 23? Absolutely not. Um, I, I was 16. I was in, I was pretty in, I was popular in high school. You know, we were just playing beer pong. It was fine. It was just football games, like pre-gaming. That's all it was. And um, I went off to college. I went to a big school and I went to Kansas and mm-hmm. I was in a sorority and I just started drinking a ton and going out five nights a week to the bars. And I, um, a couple things happened in my sorority and I was put on national probation and I wasn't able to live in the house. So I used alcohol to um, make myself feel comfortable. So I would drink before I'd go over to chapter and then I just became a crutch and I just didn't care. I wasn't worried. I had a lot of confidence when I was drinking and I never wanted to lose that feeling of feeling so comfortable and confident with what was going on. So, wow. So then what, so that's why you drank then. Yeah. All right. Now, speed forward. You've been through how many times you've been through treatment? Um, eleven. That's outpatient and residential. Wow. Right. Eleven treatments. You're in what time span? How many years? Three. Three years. Yeah. What was it like the first time you went to treatment? You know, um, I think my parents and I both just thought I needed a little break or a vacation or something. And I went to a treatment center, Passages in Ventura, that is actually a very great treatment center, but I wasn't ready for anything. And I loved it because I had everything. It was like I was away from my family. I could have my phone. And I wasn't using the classes that they had as resources. I was just using it as time to do what I wanted. You were taking a time out. Right. It was like a mini vacation. I could just lay outside and tan and go to physical training. And I loved it. And I found a really weird boyfriend there. <laughs> and I don't recommend You tend that. to find weird boyfriends at treatment. It's like I was really that, 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 That's a promise. <laughs> so I, you know, of course I did really well though on paper because I always can show up and do what I need to do. And I know how to say what I need to say to I was good in school, so, you know, I pay attention and I tell them what they want to hear, and then I do whatever the fuck I want, and then I ended up relapsing I think that's the a, next day no, at the airport. A hundred percent. Yeah. I get it. I went to treatment for eight weeks. Right. And I relapsed within 24 hours, and I guarantee it, I would have relapsed within three hours if I didn't drive my car to treatment and had to drive home because it took me X amount of time to get home in the car and I didn't know where to buy drugs. You know, I wasn't an alcohol guy. I mean, I drank, but I didn't drink. Uh, I could take it or leave it. Didn't bother me. Um, But I, I, I thought that that's, that could happen. Um, I get it. You can show up. Right. You could totally show up. You're on time. You, you know, you got your, you're on time for everything. It's like you're there, but it's really where the rubber meets the road is when you're not in those sessions, when you're not in the group. And even when you're just because you're in treatment doesn't mean that you're like doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you went to a treatment center that, you know, you were you could have your phone. You could have this. Even if you went to a treatment center where you couldn't have your phone and you couldn't lay out and you couldn't do this, do you think you'd you think that would have worked for you? You know, I did actually have after that time. My uh-huh. parents, I went home and I was there for a bit. My parents were like, you need to go somewhere else. So I went to a place called um, Gateway in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot. It's more um, it's hardcore. It's like by the book, like you make your bed army style like you. It's like scheduled meals, like out of the bed at seven, back in bed at nine groups all day. And I still managed to, you know, kind of get my way by with everything and just tell them what they wanted to hear. I learned all the dialogue and then I graduated the program early. Not like that's a goal. Like you don't go to treatment like, Oh, Hey, I'm going to get out in 20 instead of 30. Like that's not how it goes. I did that. Yeah. And it didn't work. I just was not ready to get sober. Wow. So that's some heavy stuff. Yeah. That's wild. Listen, I want to take a quick break real quick and okay. cause I don't want to jump into anything. I want to get into more why you did what you did. Okay. I want to know, I want to know what you, I want to know if you were drinking at something. Yeah. 
or were you just drinking? So um, thanks so much for joining us, guys. I really appreciate it. We'll be right back after this quick break with Stephanie. And um, this is The Power to Create Yourself. Thank you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to the power to create yourself with ross ramin to find out more about ross and the program visit the rebos treatment center website at rebostreatment.com now back to the power to create yourself hi welcome back to the show um we are with stephanie right now doing another um episode of client files (laughs) Um, (laughs) and um Stephanie's 23 years old. She's got four months of sobriety. Congratulations. It's a big deal. It's a big deal considering where you've been. Right. Um, Stephanie, um, before we went to commercial, we were talking about the fact that she uh, she is drinking mouthwash. Yeah. She is drinking hand sanitizer. She is drinking. What else? Have, what else are you doing? Um, hairspray. Hairspray. Yeah. I got that idea from a Native American video in Alaska. They ban all concert in towns, and I watched a documentary, and all of them are drinking hairspray, and it's all on the side of the road because alcohol is legal. So that's what all of the alcoholics out there were doing. So I decided that no one would know what I'm doing because why can't I have hairspray? I'm a girl. Yeah. And I can just go in the bathroom, take a shower, and do whatever I want. Wow. It was crazy. This, I mean, to get to this level of craftiness, I mean, it's one thing where people were like, if you're smoking weed or you're doing that, you come up with a way, you know, you take a pop can and you punch some holes into it because you want to smoke some weed. You know, that's, that's one level, but, and I say this with a lot of love and a lot no, of respect. I, yeah, I understand. Yeah, please understand that. Where are you in your mind where you're thinking this is okay that you need, well, not okay. Um, did you think it was Okay. Um, in the beginning, I think I, I honestly thought I was, it was so detached from my body. I felt like I was living in some delusional movie, and I was just like playing a character or something. I had no concept like of reality. My parents were like, "You have a problem," and I was like, "Okay, I do, but whatever." And I really didn't grasp the concept that like normal people don't drink this. Like this is not normal, Stephanie. Like you can't. I was just so my mind was so messed up, and I was so. I was waking up in the middle of the night, like hallucinating almost having DTs and I would just drink in the middle of the night. Like I was, my body was so dependent on it. Wow. At that young age, your body got that dependent on it. A lot of people always think that you need to be, you need to be drinking for years. De- I mean, decades. I mean, right. you have a couple of years, but you don't have decades. No, I don't. No. And to get to that level to where your mind is like, I need I need booze. I need alcohol. You need ethanol is what you're really going after. Ethanol, which mm-hmm. is the base product of all right. alcohol. So let me let me get a little personal with you, if you don't mind. Of what, what What was driving you? Everybody has an underlying issue. Everybody. Right. What do you think yours is? 
Well, for the longest time, um, I had an eating disorder that I just didn't want to face. And um, I had it since I was like about 15 or 16, like right when I started drinking. And it was just consuming my mind all of the time. And I found that alcohol was the one thing that would, I would stop obsessing about the way I looked or what being a certain way or trying to be perfect. And it would shut my mind off. And I could just relax. I mean, my mind's hyperactive to begin with. So alcohol just kind of numbed it. But then it it got to the point where, you know, I didn't care about anything. Like I was so miserable being sober because I was just so into my eating disorder. And I hid it for four years or five years, actually. My parents had no idea until um, one time I was drinking and I relapsed and I told them because I have been sober like a couple months at a time, multiple times. And I told them what happened. And um, they sent me to treatment for it. And I that was the hardest time I've ever been to treatment because I, uh, I didn't have like food to cope with. I couldn't just like, you know, do whatever I wanted. Like in treatment, I could either sneak liquor in some shampoo bottle and put cork in, put some shampoo over it, you know, get vodka in some crafty way, or I couldn't just go do whatever I would not eat, eat. And those treatment centers that are dual diagnosis, you are forced to face both issues at the same time. And that was the scariest time of my life. Wow. So, your eating disorder. When did that? When did that pop out? About fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You purging? Yeah. Yeah. I was doing that and kind of restricting, but mainly purging. It's amazing that you're still here. Right. I. Mean, I, I mean, and I'm not. You know, a lot of people always say that I'm so lucky to be alive. Oh God, I really am, though. No, you really are. You. You're. I don't. I mean, I'm like. This is all I do all day. I just talk to drug addicts and I talk to drunks that that are, by the way, just like me. Right. You know, <laughs> and I mean, people die from drinking mouthwash and hand sanitizer and all that. They go, I mean, that's wild. You know, I, I hear about it all the time. And then you have the eating disorder on, on top of it that just totally, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's another beast in itself. Right. And to manage that, how do you, so when you would drink, that would take you away from the critical thinking of your eating disorder, correct? Right. And I didn't care about anything. I didn't think about that. So it's like the thoughts weren't there. Like, oh, Were you I a different eat? person when you looked in the mirror? Um, I was, I looked like a blowfish. I mean, alcohol really bloated me. I was a completely different person. I didn't recognize myself physically and emotionally, internally. It was awful. My dad always told me I looked like a strong out Courtney Love, but like really bad I mean my face just didn't look like myself and I was really allergic to alcohol because every time I drank I would get like a red rash on my chest and like um get sick but speaking of being lucky I remember um I've been to the hospital about 15 times probably just to throw that out there really for what alcohol intoxication no and I was in a coma for 10 hours because my blood alcohol level was a 0.63 a point six three. Right. So that's you're legally dead. Right. Because, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't understand what blood alcohol level is, a point five means fifty percent of your blood is alcohol. And you know, most states is point zero eight is when you have a buzz. You point six three, that is that's off the charts. Right. And, 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 I, and I say this to describe, you're, you're just, you're a very thin, very fit young lady. Yes. I mean, you're not a big person by any means. You're tall, but right. you're not like, no, there's not much for this to go. I mean, no, there isn't. You so. have a hollow leg. It's like, a and I say the kid. No, I know. I agree. It's a miracle. I was on breathing tubes um, for 10 hours. Wow. I, my mom flew out from Chicago and uh, watched me. And 15 hospital stays. Yeah. I'm writing this down. This yeah. is amazing. 15 hospital stays, a 0.63 blood alcohol level, drinking mouthwash, hairspray, eating disorder. Yeah, it's a tolerance that. What, what else did you go to? All these hospital stays were for alcohol? Uh, pretty much, yeah. I, I really haven't been hospitalized for anything else. I mean, my parents both own breathalyzers. That's when you're 21 and your parents have breathalyzers, that's really weird to begin with. But I was a walking point three at all times. Every time they do it, I was a point three. Um, I figured out how to like open up the breathalyzer and rewire it so I would blow a zero. But that's beside the point. My parents then were like, you're not a zero. But I got a DUI and I was driving at a point four one. How? 
How does someone drive a car? <laughs> Driving a car at point four one. You're a hundred pounds soaking wet. Right. Yeah. Unbelievable. Do you, you know, I don't even know what to say about that because that is just so, like, that's, I mean, we've all done a lot of stuff. So, man, we both, I mean, I've skirted death too, man. You know, just, I, I got so thin, I remember, when I was doing drugs that I was sitting in my kitchen and I'm, um, I never bought crack cocaine. Mm -hmm. I always made it myself. Oh, and I did, and that's just that's how I was introduced into it. And I remember once I started doing that, I started losing so much weight that I remember sitting at my kitchen table, and I'm I'm six two, and I'm two hundred pounds every day of the week. You know, I'm really fit. You know, I'm in the best shape of my life. But I remember I got so thin that I was sitting down cooking, you know, making crack on a spoon. Sorry if this is a little graphic for our listeners, but it, it's just kind of real world stuff. And I remember I didn't have a shirt on. I'm looking down and I'm watching my heart push my chest out. And oh I was just like, that's not normal, but just kept going. I remember, I mean, I didn't. I didn't go to the hospital for anything. I thought at times, I remember Googling times when, you know, when you get certain tastes in your mouth, what would that mean? Because I always heard that, like, if you're going to die, you're going to have a certain type of taste. You're going to have a certain type of feeling um, before you die because, like, people would know what that is because, because how do dead people tell you what happens before you right. die? <laughs> so, but whatever, you know, I'm, you know, a lot of things seem really logical when you're, Smoking crack cocaine, right. um, um, or drinking mouthwash, or, or anything spray. like that. Totally, this is normal. We'll do this again next week. This worked out really well this time. Right. I went to I went to the hospital, and you know we kind of have to laugh at ourselves now because it is what it is. Oh, but yeah. but we have to have a little sense of humor. But I think it all at the same time also trying to learn who we don't want to be. Exactly. Again, you know, you when you see hand sanitizer, does it does it flip you out a little bit? Not at all. Um, it's everywhere now, and I accept like being around alcohol doesn't bother me at all. Like I, when my family's there, I encourage them to drink because I want that not in my life. I don't need to drink. I don't want to drink. I don't have the desire. But the smell of really um, strong alcohol makes me nauseous sometimes. But other than that, I think it's a good reminder to have it everywhere because it just reminds me about where I was and how I've changed so much and I'm not that person anymore. So you prefer to have it around? Yes, I do. Really? Yeah. You were brave. I can't. I couldn't do that. Well, I mean, now that I'm almost 10 years straight, I mean, I'm nine and a half years, but it's like the one thing I found out from relapsing a gajillion times is I don't know when this urge leaves or comes back. Right. It could just, it could rear its head and, and, you know, people's got stuff and, you know, it's like, dick, 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 you go. Yeah. And I mean, I can't control, it's such a common thing these days. It's not like, oh, don't have that because it's everywhere you go. So I, d I don't even notice it in the rooms anymore. And honestly, like for Thanksgiving, I went out with my girlfriend. Um, I was with her family up north and we went out and sang karaoke at a dive bar and it was the best time of my life. It was so fun. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of stuff I'm very grateful that I can do sober and have fun and remember it. Do you have urges? No, I don't. You don't have any urges? No, because I had the last time I relapsed. I um, I mean, I've thought sometimes, but then it's easily dismissed with, you're going to lose everything you've worked for. You have everything you want now. But I thought I was dying. I drank for like two days and I was- This is four months ago. I was throwing up blood in the hospital. So four months ago, you, you relapsed four months, or did you relapse? I mean- Relapse is a, like is a few hours, maybe a day or so, or mm -hmm. you know, a couple of days. Was were you on a full fledged run, or was that a relapse four months ago? I was like three days of heavy drinking. I don't. I mean, my runs are like you were here in LA. You were yeah, here. Yeah, I've been here for three years almost. So yeah. I, uh, I mean, I got to the point where I was in a detox, and they couldn't handle me because I was throwing up blood. I couldn't even drink water, so they wow. were just. I thought I was dying, yeah. and then after that moment, um, I talked to my dad on the phone, and he said. Stephanie, I, I don't even know what to say anymore. I can't function. Um, I can't even eat or sleep. I'm having dreams that you're dying. Everyone's just preparing for your funeral. And uh, Your dad said this. Yeah. And that is... Uh, when did he say... Where, where were you when he said that? In detox. Really? And so I... Uh, 
Your dad's telling telling you, I'm prepared for your funeral. Yes. Um, And I think that just hit me so hard. And I had never actually stepped out of myself and thought about how I was affecting other people. And I was only thinking about myself. And then in that moment, I had just missed my grandpa's 80th birthday party. My second cousin just got married. I'm missing out on the world. And I just realized I don't want to be like this anymore. I can't. I'm wasting my life and I'm not going to do it. I love my family too much and I really need to start loving myself. Mom. Yeah. Your dad tells you he's prepared for you to die. Right. I mean, it's like not a, he's kind of like he said, it's not a shock. Like my brother came out here and said like, we're all like, I had watched my mother and my brother have a funeral for me in a treatment center. What do you mean? It was like a psychodrama. So I was at this treatment center and it was family week and they like act out things and I wasn't allowed to talk. I had to sit on the side and like watch my brother and my mom mourn my death. Wow. That hadn't happened. It was very weird. And it was um, traumatizing actually to see your younger brother crying, but you're like in the room still alive and he's wow. pretending you're dead. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's heavy. Yeah. Did it hit you then when they were doing it? Um, well, because at times like that, you could put up a you could put up a hell of a wall around you. A wall came up, and then it came down. Like, and after that family week, I was sober for that seven months. Yeah, and then I um, so yeah, my family really motivates me and helps me. But I mean, this time was just kind of like Stephanie, you are going to die. Like, you are throwing up blood. You are so smart. Why am I doing this to myself? I mean, I have gotten great jobs out here. It's not like I can't work. So I'm just kind of like all right, you have a decision. Like you're going to go to treatment and listen to what they say. And I've never actually taken direction at an outpatient. And I came here and I had a, got a full-time job offer the second day I was here. Wow. And Betsy's like, you um are not working full-time Stephanie. And I was so resentful. And then I listened to her and now here I am. And I'm actually getting job offers. I got a, I'm supposed to talk to someone today about being the event planner for this real estate agency. Wow. I know. Wow. You know, well, okay. We're going to take another break. I want to hear more about that. Cool. I want to hear about the positives. I want to hear about the happy, <laughs> okay. happy. Um, you deserve it. Uh, we're talking to Stephanie. She's 23. Um, she's just a good old-fashioned alcoholic. Um, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and it seems like you learned a lot about yourself in the process. Um, you've got one. You're a walking miracle, my dear. Yeah. You really are. Um, I'm, I feel kind of honored to be able to to look at you. I mean, to, to, to sit with you. you. You shouldn't be here. I know. You forgot to die. <laughs> I did. And I'm not trying to be dramatic, but you forgot to die. No, there are multiple times I should have died. Anywho. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll be right back after this quick message. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ross Ramin, and this is The Power to Create Yourself. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients. And we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit RebosTreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Ramin. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website 
at rebostreatment.com. Now, back to the power to create yourself. Hi, welcome back to the show. This is Ross Vermeen. This is the power to create yourself, and we are coming to you from the Rebos Treatment Center here in Los Angeles, California. If you'd like to hear more about our treatment center, you can go to Rebos, R-E-B-O-S, treatment.com. Rebos is actually sober, spelled backwards. Uh, People don't realize that, so I'd like to let them in on it. Um, We're here talking with Stephanie. She's 23 years old. She's got four months of sobriety, four months and a couple of couple weeks. Yeah. And, um, and she is uh, kind of led us under the hood, so to say, of what her life is like uh, or was like. And now I want to get into what it is now, but just to kind of recap of people ask me constantly, Stephanie, like, can my daughter be fixed? Can my son be fixed? Can my husband be fixed? Can my wife be fixed? Whoever it is, can you fix them? Can they be fixed? They have gone so far down and you're one of the few people that I have met at such a young age that have gone so deep down that rabbit hole, right? so deep into the rabbit hole. And the fact that you know, you had an eating disorder, um, which I'm sure you, you still have to deal with here and there. You got it handled. Yeah. Got it handled. Um, you had, you had, you were dabbling in pills yeah. for a while. Um, and then alcohol was your, was your love though. Right. Well, that was your relationship. That was your, that was your boyfriend. That's your girlfriend. That's like your, it's, that's your intimate relationship. And and you're blowing you know, blood alcohol levels up to 0.63, so well over 50% of your body is alcohol-like saturated. And you've been through 15 hospital stays. You have 11 treatment centers underneath your belt um, in three years. And, and you're a walking miracle. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you forgot to die in certain times. You got you ever wonder about that? Yeah, I do all the time. Why are you the chosen one? I I know that there is a purpose for me because people die in like a. I've heard of cases of people dying in like a point three something. I mean, I was people try to do this to kill themselves, and I cause my and body you did it to get a buzz. Down. I know. I just wasn't. I was drinking to drink. I wasn't trying to kill myself, and I just my body would not shut down and. I have something bigger planned for me. I mean, I have a life now and I have so much more ahead of me. I mean, if I can survive that, I can survive anything. Really. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. My dad always told me that um once you get through this, you're he already told me I'm one of the strongest people he knows, but he said, "Once you get through this, Stephanie, you can overcome anything because this is the hardest thing to overcome." He's like I am so proud of you. And he's like, you know, it's great now to hear my dad on the phone. I'm t- I talk to him every day and he's like, I'm so proud of you. Like, I'm so excited. I'm counting down the days till Christmas. Have you accepted, I mean, can you see yourself sober for one year? Have you ever had a year? Uh, no, the longest I have was like seven and a half months. But I, of course, I can see myself sober in a year. In a year, can you? Yes. My mom, like, you know, we're going to go on vacation for that. We're going to celebrate it and go to Europe together. So in eight months. Yeah. You could see yourself. That doesn't freak you out. No, absolutely. Absolutely not. It makes me actually very excited about the future. I just don't see room for any alcohol in my future if I want to ever live a a successful, happy life. Mm -hmm. What is successful and happy to you? I think that's having good relationships with your family and friends, um, doing something that you love, working, and just being able to handle difficult situations without doing things that are unhealthy, like drinking things like alcohol or even turning to pills or hand sanitizer. I mean, it's just being able to handle life without escaping. Wow. What motivates you? Like, what do you, what do you, what do you do on a daily basis to not be who you used to be? Do you have a name for that old, for that old person? Oh God. Um, I named the old me. I, I should that I was just, the worst. I'm trying to I used to name myself Thurston after Thurston, after Thurston Howell because he, Thurston was an arrogant, you know what, ar- arrogant ass. And when the Thurston would come out of me, because part of my problem was was arrogance, and I would, you know, I, you know, 
Thurston would come up and I could see Thurston bubbling up and then Thurston would had had this kind of weird swagger and just <laughs> weird swagger. He was just he was just such an idiot. And I would always say that I did you I mean you're another person. A completely different We person. are other people. I mean completely different. It's stage characters. It's when they talk about how there's like split personalities like Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, I it's, like I'm a very responsible, good, motivated person when I'm sober. But when I start drinking, I am. You can't believe anything I say. I'm just. I'll. I will sleep through. I'm not reliable. You can't even communicate with me. I'm speaking a different language, basically my own language. No one can understand me. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm completely different. And my dad always commented, saying like, Lucifer, the devil. Like really, I was acting like that. Just mm-hmm. things that. Your dad's calling you the devil. Well, I wa- yeah, I was a little devil. A little bit. Yeah. What do you look out for on a daily basis so you don't start drinking again? Because I think you and I both know that, you know, it's our want and our desire to be sober on a daily basis is awesome. And it's right. and it's everything. But it doesn't mean shit at the end of the day. I mean, I'm two bad decisions from a trip to Bangkok, I always like to say. <laughs> I am too, like... Probably one and a half bad decisions from a full-fledged bender in Bangkok. Yeah. Like, what? And I know what I got to do. Every day, I have to be so painfully honest. I have to check in with myself. I have to, if something's not right, I fix it. It's just how I, like, run the company. Clients come up to me or staff comes up to me. If I screw up, I'm the first person. I don't have any lies. I literally cannot lie anymore. If I do lie, and I have in the last nine and a half years, within minutes, <laughs> I am running back to apologize about it. Um, I just, I cannot have that guilt, guilt and shame. I just can't have any of that stuff on my soul because it's just, it's, I run to, I'm, to, I'm an emotional guy. Yeah. What, what keeps you straight? I mean, what, what do you look out for? I think there's two things. Um, if I'm looking... I look out for uh, not being complacent, but just getting uh, feeling like I'm being controlled too much or just like not caring. Like when I'm doing something and I'm not caring about the results, then that's a red flag. It's like, why am I not caring? Why am I just not getting, why am I getting a case of the fuck it? like, is there something going on with me? And I just have to talk it out with someone. I have a really great roommate. I have great therapists here that really help me. And what keeps me going is every single day I think of something I'm looking forward to in the future, like something I really want to achieve. And having goals and aspirations every single day and like getting excited about the future keeps me sober because I know that I can't achieve anything like that if I'm drinking. Wow. So what is a, so anything, I mean, so what do you do? I mean, something comes up. I mean, it's like, I mean, that's. I like that answer, but what's 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 the meat of the whole thing? I mean, four months is a long time, but there's so much stuff that can come up right now. Right. So what what's the, I mean, what's your schedule on a daily basis? I mean, how tight of a schedule do you run for yourself so you don't go off course? I mean, to me, the fact that you go to a bar scares the hell out of me. Yeah. That I, I think I think you're walking. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be really honest with you. I mean, I want to pump you up, but I also want to tell you, I think it's insane. Yeah. After all you've been through, mm-hmm. you're willing to go to a bar at this early stage. Yeah. I'm nine and a half years straight, and I won't even barely go to one. Yeah, I do because I, you know, I, I'm a different mindset. But there was a time that I, I didn't go back home for for like over a year, like, let alone go to a bar in. Why, why do you, doesn't that freak you out? Aren't you um, scared not to be who you, I'll do the exact opposite to not be who I used to be out of straight fear that I'm going to have a gun on my counter, that I'm going to be sitting with my shirt off, watching my heart pound through my chest, tinfoil on my window. So no light and nobody can see in, you know, taking up would take a Sharpie to the peephole of my door and color it in so nobody could see in. I mean, what, I mean, that just, is is that, I mean. I I totally understand that point. I think. um, And I get it. It's everywhere. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, yeah, it's everywhere, but it also cannot be everywhere. Exactly. I, um, well, if I had a, 
desire to drink and I was it bothered me seeing it and it made me want to drink um that would be an awful idea but I just really don't want to drink at all so when I see people drinking I'm good for them like they should have fun but I can have fun without it and it doesn't bother me being around it I also wasn't really a social drinker let's be honest so it's not like I was at the bar watching games I mean I was in my fucking closet drinking almost so it's like for me to be out and doing stuff is actually better because I'm at least doing things socializing and I'm going with sober people mm-hmm. so um, I mean I don't go out to clubs and stuff necessarily but it's I, that's just never been my scene but I think that uh, to be real with myself and if I really wanted to drink to say something to someone mm-hmm. and uh, when I first got sober I put myself on interviews but how easy it. yeah no I get it interviews so you drink it but interviews is easy to get around um, just don't take it I used to take it what do you but how do you I mean they always say it's easier to, you know, it's easier to say no when the temptation is not in front of you, like yeah. to say it beforehand. And you don't think you're ever going to have any type of jealousy will spur up or anything like that. I mean, your head's told you to do a lot of kooky things. Yeah, you're right. I think that, of course, in the future, there's going to be times where I'm like, I wish I could do that. But it's also like knowing what is an option and what isn't an option. Like there is no option for me to drink because I am not, it's not going to stop at one. And I've tested that. Before. What was the day like when you came up with the idea that there is no option? When it, was that? When or yeah. how? When was that four months to the day or what, how, how far in? Cause it didn't happen through the last time you got straight. Um, Cause you relapsed. When did that, when did you have the day where it was like, I think it was when I was in detox um, and I had to get myself into treatment somewhere and I was calling sober livings and I was like, this is not an option anymore because it's not, I'm not able to do anything. It's like, once you tell yourself that you can't do something, it doesn't really come in my mind. It's not the thought like, oh, that would be nice because when I tell myself it's not an option, it's not there. It's not like, oh, maybe we could do that today. It's not in there anymore. Um, You never said that to yourself in the, in the 11 other treatment centers? I think that I just wasn't um, actually aware of how, I mean, I knew I was affecting my family, but to see how it was affecting my life in a multiple, in so many different areas, my emotional health, I was just a mess, like affecting my family. I was, I had to leave a job I had just gotten. I mean, it was just affecting my whole life so much to the point where it was like, this is not a solution anymore. It's causing, it's ruining my life. Mm. Wow. I've been to so many treatment centers. I said, this is going to be it. This is it. I'm not doing it anymore. And now you do, do you do, you said before, I think it was before we went to break that, you know, you were, you got a job, mm-hmm. your second day in here. Yeah. And, um, and then your therapist said to you, no, you can't. Yeah. That, I mean, what, what, I mean, you're having to do sh- you're having to do your life on somebody else's terms right now and it, it's not yours right and I think that um, to get a really good job offer being like a marketing director for a financial company like doing all of that would be great but the problem is is that I've never listened to anyone I've always convinced them to do them what I want like make my own little sober plan and every single time I've relapsed hmm. nothing's ever gone I've never truly been happy so I was like you know what Stephanie do you want this to be your last time yes then listen to them because they know what they're doing. And that's what I told myself. And my mom said to me, Are, aren't you tired of just like trying to control everything and having it fail? Yeah, it's a good question. And I was like, yeah. So I listened to her. And then, um, you know, part like halfway in there, like, we think you can work. You're ready to work. And uh, it's a great feeling to be starting out at five days a week for four hours a day and then have, without insurance dropping, you have them drop you down to three days a week so you can go volunteer and go work because they think you're doing well. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's a pretty wild thing. If you don't even, if you, I always tell people all the time, I'm just like, people want to get back to work. They want to get back to the regular life. I'm like, you're going to waste more time. So true. Right? You're going to waste more time by hurrying right now. It's like speeding. And this took me forever. (laughs) But it's like, you know, when I go away for the weekend, I drive up to the mountains so I can go skiing. I would always speed. I got so many flipping park, so many flipping speeding <laughs> tickets, and it would take me a half hour longer to get there because you I get stopped. Right. And it's like people are like, are, get all bent out of shape. It's like I got to do this. I'm like, just slow your roll. <laughs> 
you know, it's all going to come together, but you have to do this in a process. You have to be calculated one thing at a time, do it very well and move on to the next thing. And you you will have success. Right. And that's the hardest thing I think we fight here. I think the hardest thing that we fight is, you know, clinicians and people that run treatment centers is just getting people just to listen to us, which is weird because people hire us to fix their lives. And you're only here to help. That's a misconception. And you hired us. Right. I came here on my own. Yeah, you hired us. And I think that's a riot when people come in here and they're like, please help me. I'm dying. My whole life's falling apart. And I've been to jail and I've been thrown. My whole life's a mess. And I'm like, great. Let me help you. You need to do this. You need to do this. And you need to do this. And they're like, I won't do that. I'll do that. And that's a big maybe. I'm like, you just hired me to basically get you out of jail and to do all this. But you're not willing to get fit. I mean, it's like. It's like going to somebody, I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, but that's but that's the mind game that goes along with this stuff. Anytime you're trying to change yourself mentally, physically, or spiritually, you have more talk back in your head um, than any other time. I mean, it's everything. You're, tr- I mean, what you've been doing for the last four months is finally getting in a personal rhythm with yourself. Right. You're a walking miracle, Stephanie. You really are. Thank you. You're You're amazing. You really, really are. Don't don't drop it, man. Keep listening to other people and um, just keep doing it. Just keep listening to other people. Um, thanks, everybody, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. We've been talking with Stephanie. Uh, she's got an amazing story, and she, she you're the proof that you can go through hell, forget to die, and come back and have an amazing life. So. I appreciate you. Thanks for coming on. Everybody, thanks for joining us. I'm Ross Ramin. We're coming to you from the Rebos Treatment Center in Los Angeles, California, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us this week on The Power to Create Yourself. We hope to have you tune in again next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition with Ross Ramin on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have an enlightening week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.